0: Hi, I'm Keith Billis, and this is Live in the Lab. All right. A little bit of weirdness in front of the camera there for anybody's watching because so I'm like, hey, where's the button? Where's the button? I can't get it going. How did you go viral on TikTok? You were on America's Got Talent. How much do you get paid to be on AGT? Oh, you didn't get paid. You and Steve here in live in the lab. You're a great interviewer. I love it. 48 miles, 48 hours. Not just, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> and I hit 50 last time and I'm like, yeah, things are a little different than they were 10 years ago. So trust me, things are the future. You have no time for the BS that much yeah. of society seems to put on the table. Why is that? Like, what you're talking about is real right now. There's just no bullshit here, but it's just real. I brought you rooms to Marley, I said, Joseph, let's talk music for a second you said well keith Oldie, 60s 70s and 80s i've never talked to a sir before why are you a sir in many ways we're the same story i came from nothing you came from nothing i think the old saying goes that if you want a trophy you climb everest if you want respect you climb k2 i've built an ai myself and it's pretty fascinating when you can have a conversation with yourself with your own knowledge have you done that before why are we rushing to make these tools if they're all they're going to do is hurt humanity does the world need an oppenheimer moment with ai
1: what a fun show
0: hey what's going on nation what is going on business athlete nation hey there's the red cup oh forgot I got 12 seconds to hook you I'm gonna we got a firewalker today yeah Tony Robbins firewalking, and Dave Albin what more is there to tell you so if you ever wanted to firewalk you're like firewalk what firewalk yeah you know fire stuff that burns you as Dave would say is non-negotiable you can't negotiate with fire nope can't negotiate it's gonna burn your ass it's all up here. Excited to talk to Dave about that today. So Dave comes from the school of Tony Robbins. There's a name to hook you. So there you go, right? But this is not about Tony Robbins. This is about Dave Albin today. But, but I'm the kind of guy, and you guys know me, right? I'm the guy who likes to discover the moment behind the moment behind the moment. So while the world was fascinated on Tony Robbins, there's some guy behind the scenes. Named Dave Alvin, figuring shit out, figuring his own stuff out, walking across the coals, walking across the fire. And then one day Tony comes, taps on his shoulder and says, hey, Dave. Dave's like, yeah, Tony. Probably just like that. He's like, yeah, Tony. Or he's like, what's up, Tony? He's like, hey, you want to take over fire walking for me? Imagine, imagine that. One of the world's greatest, I don't know, speakers, influencers, motivators, inspiring human beings comes and taps on your shoulder and says, you want to take this over from me? (laughs) I don't know about you, but that would be a vote of confidence. That would put me into motion. So today we're gonna hang out with Dave Alvin coming up here in a few seconds. He's sitting in the green room. We haven't had a chance to chat. I could see him sitting over there. He's like, who is this guy? Who is this guy talking over there yapping away with his black hat? Oh, I'm doing my I'm, I'm doing my accessibility description right now, my team. So I got a black hat. I got a red logo on it. I got a gray vest, black shirt, black pants. I'm all black. I'm like, I am black today. Johnny Cash. There we go. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time monologuing today. I got a lot of energy. I'm excited. Oh, just to remind you guys, I'm, I'm that humble Canadian, right? Yeah, people are like, hey, you're too humble. We don't know nothing about you. All right, so the humble Canadian. I just, I I was fortunate that I started a social media company from nothing, bootstrapped, it, sold it for 50 million. There you go. Boom, out of the way. Okay, that's who I am. Now, let's talk about Dave Albin. But before we do that, I want to ask you to take five minutes and 39 seconds out of your day and pay attention to a video that I'm going to run over on YouTube introducing you to the extraordinary Dave Albin. Let's watch it.
1: You can't cut a deal with the fire. You're not going to negotiate with it. Right? Fire's gonna teach you the less. It's the first day of summer. So I sat down at the table and my mom's here. My mom puts, so I grew up with, and uh, my dad that uh, adopted me, Bob, uh, he had sworn off alcohol five years old very shortly, a couple of days after. They told me that he started, I went from having the perfect childhood. And so I'm watching this wonderful man turn into this horrible human. And I'm like, what is this? Or did it into a cup, raw whole body. And along that road, you know, I picked up, I was drinking and, you know, uh, we tried marijuana. And, you know, next thing I know, I was doing cocaine. You know, I was doing heroin, barbit. Next thing I do, I beat. So it all just a cumin. And I finally got to, that one day. I knew that if I put a bullet that the pain would stop. I made a phone call. called alcohol. I got to a month. They gave me a little chip, a little medallion that said 30, and they gave me one. So along the way, during the recovery part of it, I had insomnia. Sure enough, I'm up late one night, and there he is, Tony Robbins, doing his thing, man. And I honestly, when I was listening to him, I was like, what a jerk. I can't stand this guy. He said something about pain and pleasure, and I'm I'm in a lot of watch. Seven years later, freaking Tony Robbins is coming to town. There was 3,000 people, 3,500 people at And when you go out there, Tony's got everybody chanting, yes, yes, and they're walking out there chanting, and I'm going, no, uh-uh, we ain't doing this. And next thing you know, he goes, squeeze your fist and say yeah. yes, and he went, stronger, and I went, yes. And then he got right in my face, and he goes, stronger. And I throw my hands in the air, yes, and he goes, go, 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 and I took off. We didn't burn ours. I have no idea. Don't ask me about the science. Don't ask me. I don't know. I have no clue. I didn't burn. Well, if I could walk on coals that are a thousand degrees and I'd burn myself, what else can I do? The relationship that I had with Tony stemmed 19 plus years. He opened up the door. and He saw me. and he had a big smile on it. He came up and he ca- kind of slapped me on the face like that. And then he bent down. And it was at that moment that I knew that our relationship had gone. And then in 2003, Tony set me down. I'd like you to take over all. I believe the two most important times, the moment they were born, Pat, you know, if you help other people get what they want, universe. Oh, you know, in, in my seminars, I always, I always ask my audience, why don't people get what they want? And the answer is story very pretty scary. Fear is there to guide you. Just don't let it become your jail. And that's
0: <clears throat> fear is there to guide you. Just don't let it become your jail. Dave Albin. Welcome to the business athlete performance lab. I am full of immense gratitude to have you here today. I was figuring out what my monologue was this morning, and then you know what? I watched the video and I looked in the mirror and I said, fuck it, that's the monologue. Thank you for being here today with me, my friend, and thank you for sharing that powerful five-minute story. Uh, I'm a storyteller, I love hearing stories. I love hearing behind the scene, behind the scene, and then behind the scene. And the way you started that five-minute journey, that summer, sitting down with your parents, were not your parents, Dave Albin. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me, man. You know, I didn't know you were gonna show that. Um neither, yeah, did
0: I, neither did I until I <laughs> neither
1: did you, right? Like, neither
0: what? Watching am like, how, oh. how did I not show that? Like, how, how do we not bring that to life? Because I usually bring a lot of energy, a lot of music, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I gotta figure something out. And I I called an Audible what? this morning, Dave. <laughs> yeah,
1: you did. Yeah, you did. That was did. that was a beautifully call. It was a great call, and thanks for showing it. And you know, kudos to Alex Burnfield. Uh, who did that she was a student man she was a student Beautiful. at NC State she's awesome She uh, so she was majoring in film and production and documentary right so right. her her professor said to the entire class go out into the state of North Carolina and find somebody interesting and 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 do a documentary and
0: oh and behold she found you she
1: found me she was so my for- for- yeah
0: my format here is what we're doing right now just having a wonderful conversation with with it. with with one cool guy and some nerd behind the microphone over here
1: so let's, um, hear, um, your, let's yeah, hear your story yeah so um where do we start yeah where do you want to start man you start you know dad used to say want to start start at the beginning
0: let's do it pal let's start right at the beginning so um, for those that didn't tune in the beginning you know dave albin sat down in a summer how old were you when that summer started
1: uh, i was 11
0: and dave's parents sat with him in the kitchen and said to him we're not your parents
1: yeah no nope. which is like what oh cool. <laughs> it's like it's like taking somebody out and saying, look at the sky and go, yeah, it's, it's not blue. <laughs> well, it looks pretty blue to me. That's for sure um and so um yeah it was the first day summer and uh you know i would back up a little further two months before i was born keith uh, my biological father we don't know what happened we just know that he hurt his head 1953 i believe it happened to him they put a plate in his head to save his life and it ended up taking his life Uh, a lot of pain associated with it he used to complain to mom all the time how bad it hurt two months before i'm born he turns to Mom, says, I'm going to the grocery. We never saw her from him again. So mom, there she is. She's already got two boys. Uh, uh, so I'm born to a single mom. Now there's three of us. And we're living with, with my grandmother, her mother, and another cousin. There's six of us living in a one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood, California. And mom gave it her all, man. She tried. She was working up the street uh, at the Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, she was a server. She was pulling as many shifts as she could get her hands on. It wasn't enough. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and. And mom came from, my mom that raised me and my biological, uh, you know, they came from the greatest generation that's ever walked this planet. They came from the Great Depression. They went through World War II. What a lot of people don't realize is during World War II when all the men were out fighting the Nazis and the, defending against the Japanese, the women stayed home and did everything. Everything. I mean, you know, my mom was known as Rosie the Riveter. She worked for McDonnell Douglas. She built airplanes. And so, you know, they're, that's the generation that we're dealing with. So, you know, a baby boomer, yeah. yeah we, we know some stuff because of our parents. And so, you know, anyway, it wasn't enough for her to take care of us, all six of us. And she, uh, went, to, she went to her older sister, Pat, and she said, hey, I, I can't feed David. Will you adopt? And Bob and Pat said, yeah, absolutely. So they they yanked me from Hollywood in that one bedroom apartment that took me to Long Beach. And I was in a really nice house on the east east side of Long Beach. A dad, my dad was highly decorated military. He had a great job. He was an officer. We had food on the table. We had a nice house. We went camping. It was it was little house on the prairie until that day. Uh and you know, I get asked, what, well, you know, why did they do that? Why did they tell you when you were so young at 11? And I'm like, I don't know. They just did. Now, my dad's working in the Pentagon during this, right? This is Kennedy had just been assassinated. In November of 63. Uh, yeah, the Bay of Pigs going on, the missiles in Cuba, all that was going down with the Russia. And so dad knew a lot. And he was he was on edge all the time. And so after they adopted me at five, you know, when they told me that day. When I was 11 years old, shortly after that, they both started drinking. And they swore off alcohol when they adopted. And, um, man, it got ugly real fast. And so one day they went to the grocery store. Back in the 60s, you could leave your kids home. You leave an 11-year-old kid at home. So what? Who cares, right? Call the neighbor across the street and say, hey, Joanne, Bob and I are going to the grocery store. You know, David's here if he needs anything. Can he come knock on your door? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, tell him to come over now. I'll fix him a fried bologna sandwich you know uh, with mustard and so when they left that was that was it for me because i saw these two amazing people pour this stuff in their body and they completely transformed and i don't know what it is i have no idea what this stuff is but i wanted to know and so when they left i went to the cabinet opened it up because they were hiding it in plain sight and i poured about a half a coffee cup keith in that cup and bam down it went nasty ass smell and all and i never had a chance ever i believe i was an alcoholic on the spot because it was like pouring rocket fuel in me. It was, ex- you know, it was just exhilarating what it made you feel like, you know, it was unbelievable. And, and then I, And I was 11. So I started chasing it right there. It just, boom, it escalated from there. You know, the, the snowball effect right there. And by the time I was a junior in high school, they called me in shortly after the year started and said, Alvin, you're out. You're a danger to our school. Well, okay, I am. I can you know, I, I can't deny that. So, and, and you know what, Keith, I didn't give a rat's ass. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't like, you know, anything I was learning in high school was going to make me a living, right? <laughs> there was a song back then by Paul Simon. And if I remember the lyric right, it was when I think back to all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. So that was like. It was like my freaking theme song, right? But you know what, bro, I was I was already an entrepreneur long before I got to my junior year cuz I started entrepreneurship at a young age, 10 and 11. My first job was a paper route. Well, that's serious, man. You're in business for yourself 7 mm-hmm. days a week as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to go get your papers, you got to fold them, you got to put them in your duffel bags, you got to put them on the back of your bike, then you got to go ride your route and deliver. Them, Monday through Sunday. And you got to go collect the money you got to go knock on doors when new people would move in. So, I mean, it is. You're a full-blown business person. Um, I also lived across the street from a golf course. And here's what I learned about golfers at a young age. They suck. <laughs> right? They suck. Ninety. What is it? 90% of the golfers shoot over 100? Well, okay. I learned that. And so what I would do is I'd take my Stingray bike, man, and I'd go over there and I'd ride the perimeter. And guess what I'd find? Little white things worth money. Mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd bring them home I'd clean them all up they were all muddy and such. I went back to the golf course and the actual boxes that they come in uh, they would throw them out at the <laughs> road shop right so I'd go get them and I'd display my balls in that in that in that case and I'd ride my bike back over to the golf course and uh, go into the uh, parking lot you know what I did with them. and so uh, and then also mom uh, you know she grew flowers in the backyard beautiful she was you know she had a green thumb yeah you know again she came from that era back in the days when she was my age you got up every day in the morning when the sun come up and you started working you farmed you you sewed your own clothes i mean you worked your ass off daily so mom had a green thumb so she would grow beautiful flowers she'd arrange them for me because she had a great eye for color and then when she would prepare them she did something pretty phenomenal never forgot it to this day she would cut the flower at an angle not at the bottom but at an angle and that would open up the surface area so more water would get into the flower and last longer right but here's i think we may have there he is there is we back
0: yeah there you go pal there you go Yeah. yeah cool
1: So, um, and then after, you know, she would put them in a bucket and arrange them for me to go sell, she'd pour some seven up into the buck. So I guess it's the sugar that gets into the flour, but my flowers would outlast the local florist three to one (laughs) there i am man i'll tell you what i learned early on men want to negotiate the hell out of you women never negotiate ever you saw this cute little kid on the street corner they come up they pay my 50 cents and thank you and you're a guy that will see you next week you know they were wonderful so
0: yeah there you go yeah cool okay gotcha gotcha you broke up that last part so men want to negotiate the hell out of you
1: yeah and and women would not they just pay they pay the price every time. No,
0: we're having a little bit of a technical issue here with Dave Albin here. So so uh, just so our viewer knows, so we're in, uh, uh, we're here in Canada. Dave's there in the U.S. And sometimes I think the Internet gets stuck going across the border. So sometimes when the Internet gets stuck going across the border, I sometimes I have a little bit of like tutters. <sighs> like, <sussing> so don't blame that on the guest audience. That's actually the American-Canadian border happening there. So anyways, Dave, you were saying –
1: Um, so yeah, so I would go out there and sell those, flowers on the street corner and um you know um and so here's what i learned keith at a very 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 young age yeah there's money out there go get
0: it yes isn't there though is there not so let's continue your journey so you become an so i don't want to make light of this but i but i also want to have an enlightening conversation at 11 you become an alcoholic and you're going through your journey of life uh mom and dad are alcoholics dave's an alcoholic i can't imagine that house is like you're figuring shit out as you become a teenager uh when does the light go on when you said to yourself this is enough well
1: uh that day i was in my third marriage i was married to a woman who had three kids she was a bartender <laughs> go figure um and that was it man june 8 1988 i woke up that morning keith i said that's it we're done i'm out i'm not doing this anymore
0: just like that
1: yeah. just like that that quick um uh, and, you know, I'm in so much physical and emotional pain in that moment that I just want it to stop. And I don't care how it stops. I could care less. I'm ready to take my own life. I loaded the pistol. I'm ready. And I don't care. I just don't, right? I'm not worried. Oh, you know, they're heaven or hell or that nah. However, what dawned on me in the moment was you pull that trigger, those three kids upstairs and their mom that you love, you're going to ruin their life. Yes. Because, you know, when someone takes, they take their own life, they kill everybody around them. Yes. We don't want to, we don't want to talk about that, right? Because in that yes. moment, we're too. Self-centered. Sorry, but we are, and I get it. I was there. I lived. So I'm like, okay. So you can't do that. So what are you going to do? And I, and the next thought came was call Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, what's interesting about that was I didn't even know who the hell AA was. I didn't know anybody in AA. I'd never been to AA. What's AA? But there's there's the thought. You know, that's what I call a divine moment for me so i did i called them, and i got this really wonderful woman on the phone and over the years i've nicknamed her madge and the reason is because she talked like this she she probably smoked two packs of Paul Mall non-filters a day The man she was a badass she was the gatekeeper she would interview you and if she thought you would go she'd send somebody to pick you up and take you to an AA meeting and i basically begged uh you know i was i was in really bad shape i needed help and i knew it um and she did she sent a guy come get me his name's Lauren took me to my first AA meeting went to four meetings in my first day 1234 36 38 there. At that meeting they took a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and all the men signed. Me. It was an all men's group. And they wrote in there on the front on the inside front cover and said before you take that first drink call one of us and they put their name and their phone number. And sent me home and they also sent me home to one of these. And what I'm holding up for those that are just listening is a medallion mm-hmm. that you get in AA when you show up. It's called a 24 hour chip. And as as the documentary said there is Alex captured, you know, a day turned into a month, a month turned into two months, three months, six months, nine months and one year and they gave me a chip for every one of those. And then, you know, last year here in 2023, I picked up a chip for 35 years. And I'll add, if I don't drink and I don't die between now and June 8th of 2024, I'll have 36 years. Uh, And that's when the magic happened, man. Once I got to AA and I realized for the first time that I could go a day at a time and not drink and saw my life starting to change and, and, and evolve, um, the personal development industry showed up at the same time. And it, and it did because I had insomnia. I was up late all the time and um you know i'm up late one night and there he is mm-hmm. <laughs> tony you know there he is man and you know he owned the airways back then and yeah. and you know so he was on every channel just about late at night and i was intrigued i didn't like him i thought he was a pompous asshole to be honest with you but here's but what he said two things that got me one he said we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure and i was like whoa okay well that relates cuz my drinking and drugging was you know it was around both of those i was either mm-hmm. trying to Get some pleasure in my life or run from pain. And then he said, how humans make decisions um, is 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 one of two things. They make those decisions. They're inspired by either inspiration or desperation. <laughs> and I went, whoa, okay. Talking to me, are you, Tony? <laughs> um, and I was desperate, man. So I bought his program. It was personal power. It was a 30-day program. They sent it to me. It came in a big old box. And uh, it came on these little white things called cassette. Tapes, right? I had to go. They're like, what are those? You know, your yeah. audience is like, What? Who cassette yeah. tapes? What's that? Go to the Smithsonian. They're there. They're right next to Reel to Real and eight track tapes. <laughs> uh, right. So I did it, man. I plugged him in. I did what the man taught me to do and it worked. Well, I loaned that tape program to a buddy of mine. <clears throat> in fact, my buddy Dan the Butcher. I called him Dan the Butcher because his name was Cappa Bianco, and I could never pronounce it. Um, and so he uh he's talking to me one day. In fact, I just lost Dan here about three weeks ago.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: I am too. He was a I'm sorry. What a peach of a guy. So bottom line was uh I in my discussions, he's like, you know, you seem really up, man. What's going on? I go, I have been listening to this guy named Tony Robbins. Dan goes, Hey, I know who Tony Robbins is. I bought his book. He goes, but I never read it. <laughs> I was like, okay, well. How often does that show up in your life? Right? So anyway, I loaned you my tape program, cut to the chase. Seven years later, right? This was all going down in 88 and 89. Seven years later, 1995, Dan calls me on the phone. He goes, hey man, Tony, did you know Tony Robbins is coming to town? I'm like, no, I had no idea. He goes, dude, come on. You gotta go with me. You got me into this, man. Please go with me. And I go, dude, I'll go. He goes, great, I'll call you back. He comes back an hour later, calls me. goes, all right, done deal. We pick up the tickets that will call. And here's what they tell us to do. Number one. Bring snacks. You're going to spend a lot of time in the room. And I'm laughing, man, because anybody that's been to a Robbins event knows you're going to spend a lot of time in the room. Uh, they said, uh, drink a lot of water, uh, stay hydrated, bring a good attitude, and be ready to play full out. Well, uh, I said, so Dan, how much was the ticket? He said, 695 bucks in 1995, right? So, you know, that yeah, today? today? Right? That's like $1.3 million, I think, something like that, right? <laughs> and so, so, and he's getting ready to hang up the phone, right, Keith? And all of a sudden, he goes, oh, wait. I forgot to tell you, man, I got almost left out the best part. We're going to be doing a fire walk. And I thought immediately, my head said, oh, hell no. No, uh-uh. ain't going to happen. Never in a million years am I going to do that. And you know what's interesting about that? I don't know what a fire is. What does that mean? I have no idea. I've never even heard the term firewalk. But take fire and walk, and put them in the same sentence. I'm like, nope, not doing it. But I, I lied to my buddy, right? Because I'm like, oh yeah, sure, Dan, sure, we'll do the fire walk. Yeah, sounds interesting. All right, bro, I'll see you then. Well, the big day comes. We get there. We're 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 in a we're in a big arena, and we got 3,500 people. And Tony took the stage at two o'clock in the afternoon. Next thing we know, it's after midnight, right? Bring snacks, or you'll starve to death. No kidding. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden Tony goes, take your shoes off. And I'm like, oh no. Nah, I know where you're going with that, pal. You're not tricking me. Well, I got a problem. 3,500 people, guess what they're doing?
0: Taking their shoes off. Taking
1: their damn shoes off. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Are you out of your mind? Are you falling for that? Are you that stupid? Well, my buddy's sat next to me and he's taking his shoes off. So what do I got to do? Because I'm not doing it. So my exit strategy is when I go out there, 3,500 people, I'll lose Dan and I'll go hide in the back. No one's going to know. Well, except for me so but Tony's not done with you yet after you take your shoes off and you start walking out into this giant parking lot where you firewalk 3,500 people he gets you to start clapping and chanting on your way out so it's like yes yes times 3,500 people. Pretty intense. And it gets worse. When you get out there, out there, he's got African drummer. Dun dun dun, 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 And you know, oh, you gotta be kidding me. You want a dog and pony. So logistically, how do you firewalk 3,500 people? Well, you start by building a big-ass fire around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And you build a pit 35 feet wide, uh, 70 feet long, and you add cord after cord after cord of hardwood to it all day long. <clears throat> and after it burns all day, it renders. And you've got a giant, beautiful, beautiful pile of blue coal. Well, you take wheelbarrows over to that pit. You load the coals in a wheelbarrow. You bring the wheelbarrow back in between two lanes of sod, of grass. Call it a fire lane three feet wide, 18 feet long. You just take a flathead shovel and you sprinkle those bad boys over the top of that sod and that grass and that's what you walk on. Well, as I said, I'm having none of it. I literally ditched my buddy. I'm in the back. I think I got it all figured out. Well, Tony Robbins knows that firewalking is probably the single most life-changing experience on Earth. It's been around for over a thousand years and used by cultures all over this planet. So he knows it's a paradigm shift. He knows it's life-changing. He also knows there's people like me so what's he do he trains people to come to mind, man. so you think you got it all figured out right nah not so much i'm back there minding my own beeswax and here comes this guy and he he makes a beeline for me he makes eye contact will not take his eyes off gets 20 feet from me and he he looks at me and he goes you know like a dog that sees a funny noise how they tilt their head right He goes, hey, man, are you okay? And when we're not okay, what do we do? We lie, right? Yeah, I'm fine. All good here, man. Nothing to see. Move along. I'm good. And he says, hey, man, are you going to walk tonight without missing a beat, man? And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm thinking, why do you think that? Why the hell do you think I'm hiding out in the back, man? What's wrong with you? By the way, this guy changed my life. And I don't know who it is to this day. I never found out. Of course. Right? So after I, I give him a hard no, he goes, hey, man, that's cool no problem. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I went, oh, okay. I like this guy. He's going to get me the hell out of here. No, he's not. Trick. Because the next question he asked me was, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, nothing to lose there. Let's go watch these people burn their feet off. Great. Yeah. Let's do that. He said, hey man, well, you can't, you're not going to be able to see anything from way back here. I'm a hundred yards away. I can't see anything. Keith. I got three to 500 people standing in front of me. I got nothing to see. I can hear it. Right. They're chanting. They're clapping. The drums are going and they're already firewalking and they're celebrating. So every time they get to the end of the lane, they're jumping up and down and clapping their hands and screaming like you wouldn't believe. And so I'm like, okay, I took the bait. Boom. Right. I got in line and I'm, and I'm just kind of walking along. And uh, all of a sudden this another stranger comes up to me and he whispers in my ear and he says, he knows when you're ready. When he says, go, you go. And then this guy just went pew and disappeared into the night. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He knows when you're ready. Go when he says go. Right. It's like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm walking along and I can't see in front of me. i still got a thousand people in front of me, <clears throat> but I can see at an angle. I can see this way, right? Looking back over this other way. And uh, Keith, they're doing it. They are walking on fire, which is my brain's going, you got it. Your people are nuts, man. There's something wrong with you. We're mammals, man. We're supposed to run from fire, not walk on it. And uh, so I'm mesmerized, right? I can't take my eyes off it. I'm just kind of staring at these people walking and I'm not paying attention to what's going on in front of me. And the next thing I know, boom, guess where I am it worked so now i'm standing there i'm in that fire lane and i'm looking down and those coals that are on that fire lane again that lane's three feet wide 18 feet long and those coals are bright red it's not a question if they're hot and the wheelbarrows right there so you can feel the heat coming off this thing right well there's a trainer standing there as i'm staring into the abyss the trainer goes eyes up well okay yeah that's right get your eyes up well when i'm training with tony for an hour guess what he trains you to do keep your eyes eyes up. Don't stare at what you fear, right? Look to the celebration in, right? We hear it all the time. Everything we've ever wanted in life is sitting right over there on the other side of your comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. And that was true in that moment. So about that time, uh, the trainer goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went, stronger. And I went, yes. He could tell, man. I was not in a peak state. I was close, but I was still leaving some on the table. And he knew it. So he screamed at me. He got in my face and screamed out, "Strong!" yeah i threw my hands in the air fighter flight screamed as loud as i could and the trainer goes go 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 Woo. i took off right remember the guy he knows when you're ready when he says go you go i went yeah, here's the yeah right I, you talk about peer pressure right um, so here's the first thing i learned about firewalk when you take the first step oh you'll take the second third fourth and fifth i promise you dude so so tony's we staged two people at the end to catch you right and they're like stop wipe your feet and celebrate and i'm wiping my feet and i'm celebrating and all of a sudden it dawns on me i burnt myself really bad and i look at my i look at my uh my foot and it's dirty but there's no
0: there's no there's burns it's just no burn. in your, it's just in your head
1: it's just in my head i look at my other foot nope so there i am jumping up and down i just walked on coals that were a thousand degrees and the interesting part is i didn't have a clue how i did it right we've all done right you yeah. do something really cool. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know how you did it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you take credit for it, don't? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's right, that's me. This kid just walked on fire, baby. Well, you know, in that moment, you're, it's so exhilarating. You you think you can do or accomplish anything in that moment, because I'm like, all right, people, let's get on the bus. Let's go climb Ebszeds. In your opening, right, in your intro, and so, but that's—I'll tell you where it gets really, really interesting. The next day, right? This is a four-day event. It's called UPW, unleash the power within the firewalk experience. We do the firewalk on day one that night. Now we're into day two, and now 3,500 people are standing in the foyer, getting ready to go into the venue. And I've never in my life Keith, seen anything like this in my life. Never have seen anything like it other than a Tony Robbins seminar. Because that next morning. We drank the Kool-Aid, no doubt about it, but we did it collectively. So we all had that extreme... Experience and so there was a camaraderie already built into us the next morning because people were hugging and they're laughing and they're they're crying. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's intense, and people are getting along the way we should get along. And so, that connectivity is what I was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful to be hanging out with these people that we did something so extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Well, later in the event, I met one of Tony's trainers and a guy by the name Ted Macy, sweet guy really good dude his wife Mary too also a trainer um i'm talking to Ted you know i'm talking to one of Ted's one of Tony's trainers right i'm feeling it right and so i'm like hey man you you get to come be in this environment on a regular basis don't you and he says absolutely and he goes you need to get in here too if you can and he goes you see those people standing over there with those black shirts i'm like yeah he goes, dude, those are volunteer. They're just like you. They came to an event and they called Robin's research and they filled out an application and they got approved. So do that. When you go home, call them. Who knows what will happen? I did. Nine weeks after I filled that application out, almost to the day, I got a letter in the mail and it said, Dave Alvin, congratulations. You've been selected to crew with the Anthony Rock. Color my ass hat. There I am. And uh, it just it just went from there. So when you fill out the application, obviously you put a bunch of information in there. Well- I've got a military background. I've got a security background. Um, And so what happened was is that they decided to put me on the security team to help take care of Tony Celebrity. And then because I lived on a farm at the time and I knew what a log splitter was and how to use a hatchet and what kindling is, they also put me on um, the fire building. And then shortly after I did that, right, um, I got offered a subcontracting position to be the fire captain, the assistant. Mm-hmm. So that was all going down in 95, 96. 2003 comes along, as you mentioned earlier. Tony said, Alvin, I'd like you to have you as my captain. Tony, I homeschool my kids. Great. Let's pay to have them go with it. And so my, my kids at six and nine years old got to go on the road with their dad and their mom on to, with Tony Roth. In fact, their first event was Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Um, So that happened in 2003 and 2005. We went to London. We set the world record. We firewalked 12,300 people.
0: I remember oh, that. Right. Yeah. There's there's, there's, there's publicity around that event.
1: Yeah. It was, it was huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, And now I want to disclose to your audience, I want to be crystal clear about something. Uh, Guinness was not there. Guinness Book was not there. So it wasn't documented. But Mm -hmm. here's what I can tell you. That Mm -hmm. was the biggest firewalk in the world ever. And the only thing that ever comes anything close to that is another Johnny Robbins seminar. So that happened in 05, 2014. Let me move this forward uh i'm driving down the road and my phone ring and it's google and they want to know if i'm the dave alvin that does the tony robbins firewalks yeah what can i do for you well if you're not under any contractual obligation or non-compete would like to talk to you about hiring i'm like oh well, homeboy's a free agent. What's going on? Well, we have 148 executives and they're graduating from a very intense curriculum and we want to create a paradigm shift. And we know the firewalk experience is exactly what it does because we want to anchor it in. We want to ignite. We want to bring this 148 people together, just like I did the day after the firewalk, but Google already knows, right? And so uh, what happened, I actually, I had to convert it to a glass walk. And the reason I don't do firewalks during the day.
0: Yeah, I just had to convert it from a firewalk to a glass walk.
1: Well, it's funny, man. So here's what happened. They said, hey, we want to do this after lunch. And I go, guys, we can't do it during the day. It's a safety issue. I won't put my name on it. Not going to happen. i tell you what we could do if you want to do it in the middle of the day.
0: How come? What's the safety issue, Dave?
1: Because I got to be able to see the coals, man. You know, when there's daylight, if something pops out or something and somebody else can walk, you know what I mean? There's just too many things that can go wrong if you, because I can regulate the temperature of the coals with a shove. All I have to do is take that shovel and go bam. And every time I hit those coals with that shovel, it reduces the temperature. It cools it down. So I, I have to have that. I just, there, you know, I can't, I can't see what's going on. And I said, how? you know we could do a glass walk and they're like what you mean walk on broken glass yep and google's like "Ooh, tell us about that <laughs> so i did and they went for it uh they were really cool about it too they were like even before as i was setting it up they said hey listen well, before we bring you on stage while you're in the green room can we show a video and i said what video and they said there's a scene in diehard bruce willis has to run across the broken glass we'd like to show that <laughs> I'm like, you're my kind of people, man. Yeah, sure. And they said, and then one other thing, when we bring you on stage, can we play that Annie Lennox song, Walking on Last?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, man. So they did. So I ended up doing two gigs for Google. Well, While I was there, I met one of the executives. And she basically told me, look, I don't know if you realize it or not, but corporate America will eat you alive. Because you create an experience Is exactly what they need, a paradigm shift. Yeah. To bring people together so yeah. and you're at the top of your game man so you may want to think about starting your own company and so i'm like okay you're right and so firewalk productions was born in 2014 shortly after google and uh pun intended we've been going hot and heavy ever since
0: no kidding well congratulations That, that that's a, yeah you have your water i'm mean, going i got a couple things i gotta say um what an awesome story um it was so first of all are you and tony on good terms bad terms good terms Oh, good. Awesome. So he said, do your thing. And now you're doing your thing. And he's still
1: cool. Yeah. I sit down and talk with him in the green room. I said, hey, Tone, love you. Uh, But Google just hired me. And uh, he goes, you're leaving, aren't you? And I said, it's my time. You're good, dude. There's four guys right here right now. There's four people that can take over my job. They're all cross trained. You don't need me anymore. I'm leaving you in good hands. And he basically at the end said, hey, just man, with great wisdom comes great responsibility, man. Make make us
0: proud. Good for you. Yeah. So I so I I've had my own paradigm shift with climbing mountains. So in my journey of life. Uh, you know, I've i to, to me the big shift for me is when I when I went through my journey um s- through my experiences in life, uh, climbing mountains was the way that I was able to shift my paradigms, climbing Kilimanjaro and and, and so forth. So I can I can't wow. fully appreciate walking on gl- on glass or fire, and I want to get back to that in a second. But I like I like the metaphor of the paradigm shift. What I really like though, Dave, is rewinding the story somewhat. I'm a big fan of accountability. You know, we call ourselves the accountability company here in the lab. Yeah. We you know, I 70% of people that state their goal publicly achieve their goal. There's magic in that. I'm going to do yeah. something and 70% of the time you're going to achieve it. It's very similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, isn't it? Is yeah. that when you come in there and state that I want help publicly, high level of accountability starts to happen, doesn't it, Dave Albin? Uh,
1: you hundred percent. You nailed it. Yeah. And of course, the other side of it too, is that, you know, you get an opportunity to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. So the beauty about AA is you got the 12 steps, right? Yeah. They, They show you how to put your life back together. You got the 12 traditions and that way you know how to navigate within the group. But in the middle, man, that's where the sweet spot is because the preamble says when anyone when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. I took that to heart. Yeah, absolutely. I'm responsible. So that really resonated with me. And then when the personal development industry showed up, Then now here all of a sudden, I'm this guy that can come in and create this unbelievable experience Mm. and change people's lives forever.
0: Well, Um, and that's what I like about, about a firewalk experience is that there is that level of public accountability. Oh yeah. Like you're, you're standing in front of the fire lane, your goal, and you're putting yourself out there and you're more than likely going to achieve your goal. Boom, hundred percent success rate. You know what I mean by that? Like it's there's no yeah. ambiguity happening there.
1: Yeah, I mean, because again, once once you're there, you're there, right? Because here's what we know: the you know the fears we don't overcome become our become our limits, right? Mm-hmm. And and so fear, how, what does it mean to you? Like up until that point in my life, Keith, it was like forget everything and run, right? Now. It took on face everything and ride. Mm -hmm. So fear completely the dynamic of fear, as I said, in my documentary, fear is here to guide you. Just don't Mm -hmm. let it become your jailer. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that, that really meant a lot to me. Um, And then you set accountability. And that's what's interesting is that you know, corporate America's been really good. They come in, they hire me, they tell me what's going on. Maybe there's dissension, maybe they're launching a new product, whatever. All they have to do is tell me what's going on, and then I'll design the firewalk around whatever's happening.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Right. So I've done two things. One, I developed an academy last So now people can come spend five days with me up here in the Appalachian Mountains and are full intensive. And I show them and train them how to do all that. So they can go back to their respective companies or their communities. It may be an entrepreneur, business owner, trainer, coach, whatever. And then they can go do their own firewalks along with all the other experiences uh, that, we, that we train them on, which is great. Uh, we graduated eleven last October, so I only do it once a year in October. Oh, um, the other one event per year. Uh, that's all I wanted. I'm just sorry, man. I'm lazy. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and you know, with everything else that I got going on, and grandkids, and family, bro. I'm going to be seventy this year. Come on! And, it, and it's not that I'm slowing down. I'm not saying that. I'm just there's other things that are taking on a priority, and that actually just happened. It's an accountability thing. If you look at my website, it says, "Stop looking for heroes and be one." Good for you. Well, I had a I had a chance to do that recently on a podcast because of a host like you. So I, we recorded, right? And we, and we were talking sidebar after the recording. And Natalie asked me, she said, hey, Dave, have you ever done a firewalk for veterans? And I said, you mean specifically? And she said, yeah. And I go, no, why? And she goes, dude, we got 200 vets. And this is a life-changing paradigm shift experience.
0: Yeah, and she's thinking, why not, Dave? And you're like,
1: well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, and I've never really had the opportunity until yeah. now. Well, you know, the number that's floating around out there is 22 a day are taking their life. Well, guess what? That's not true. That's bullshit. hundred percent. That's only if they leave a note. Well over half of them are. Oh, my God. So we have over 40 men and women a day that are taking their own life. Well, okay. I can't run from that. I'm a bet. my dad was highly decorated. I grew up during Vietnam, Lot, you know, lost friends and family, you know, to Vietnam. So I'm like, Dave... Hello. Yeah. Everything you've ever done in your life has prepared you for this. So I went to bed that night and I woke up in the middle of the night and it came Operation Do No Harm. Well, and you I mean, so,
0: and-, so, and yeah. If, so I can, if I can, if I can add to that, David, so you, yeah. you said at the beginning of the of the, of the conversation here, uh, and, and I have to call you on this, but the more you give to others, the more you're going to get back.
1: Okay, so I'm being a little self-centered.
0: Right? So, you know, when 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 that host says to you, hey, Dave, here's the veterans, I can only imagine that epiphany that night was right. The more I give to them, the better it is for everybody, right? It was it like something like that in your head? The light goes New off. West
1: you know and then it got better cuz i'm like okay that's veteran so now i've got four categories yeah i've got vets first responders high suicide rate there mm-hmm. single mothers i'm born to a single mom mm-hmm. and then my weakness has always been the kids um you know so kids that have been abused and neglected you know give them to me the 8 years old give them to me we'll do the board break i'll do a martial arts thing with them they'll break the board we'll they'll, we'll firewalk them they'll throw the board into the fire I can transform a kid's life so fast. Same thing with the vets and and first responders. So now what's happened is that I'm going out to corporate America and saying, hey guys, you want to put your brand out in front of saving veterans or first responders or moms or kids life? Great, write a check to my nonprofit and write it off. And then you hire me to come into your city and we'll make you look really, really good by saving these men and women's lives. And so that just happened, that's just transpired. So we actually have our first event, it's already scheduled. It's gonna be in Modesto, California, and it's gonna be April, Uh, we changed it, yeah, April 6th. We changed it from the 13th because we got a better venue for the whole thing. So I've been inviting corporate America. Uh, I'm inviting CEOs to come and say, look, you wanna be part of this? You wanna, you know, you wanna write, you gotta write money off anyway, right? So they donate money all the time. For sponsorship, come, come, be part of a very, very noble cause, and so, um so I'm inviting them come to Modesto, come as my guest, be a VIP, and watch what I do. And then, if you want to get involved, you can tell me what level uh, that you want to get involved.
0: I'm speechless because I'm em- I'm emboldened by how passionate you are for changing people's lives. Like it's clear in your voice, it's clear in the way you speak, it's clear. You don't pause when you're like, "Hey, there's an eight-year-old kid needs help. Bring him to me." Like. And when I hear your story, starting as an 11 year old child whose life has had to change along the way, it's as if you were the right person on the planet for this role. I
1: believe the two most important times in someone's life, Keith, is the moment they're born mm-hmm. and the moment they figure out why. It's taken me a while.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because that also struck me when you found your purpose, like your absolute purpose purpose people go their whole lives though finding purpose Dave Albin
1: you know and if they're open to it though it'll reveal itself you're not here by chance what's what's the what's the chances of being born one in 400 trillion okay yeah (laughs) let's let's quit playing with this idea uh, that we're not here to serve a greater good of some kind, and the more you lean into that, um, the more it transforms, and the more it comes at you. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, that day when I filled out that application with Robbins that I'd get approved to go be a volunteer, and then go boom, 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 Google. You know what I mean? It was just like one thing after another, after another, after another. But it started really in AA. That's the that was the moment. <clears throat> I needed to clean up my life because I spent a great deal of time trying to screw it up. And so, you know, again, with like Tony said, man, with great wisdom comes great responsibility. And so now, this new evolution of where I'm doing what's going on, um, all four of those categories need it really, really bad. So, what's cool is like I just had a company out of uh, Indianapolis and they make Playground and they're. <laughs> commercial playgrounds. And so when I told them about Operation Do No Harm and the kids are like, "So we can write a check, you'll come to Indianapolis and we can bring moms and kids?" Yeah, absolutely. Now, they're already hiring me to do an event for them. They're they're bringing in a bunch of their top distributors. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm actually going there to do the event first. But now now they, you know what I mean? So now there's kind of a double whammy. Yeah, hire me, I'll rock and roll your company, but then Imagine what it's going to look like when you put your brand out in front of this, what the community is going to look at you like. It's going to be awesome, right? Um, and, and think about your employees. How do you think that's going to uh, uh, affect their psyche? Mm-hmm. Look what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. just
1: did an event for 300 first responders,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. right? So it's just, they get the recognition, they get all the, you know, they get all the stuff. I, I get to go in and do what I do and I'm I, I don't need any, right? I'm the guy that gets to sit there and watch them one at a time, in four seconds, completely transform their life.
0: That's got to be such an extremely empowering experience, watching people's lives change in front of you. Like really, it's it's, something to do it yourself, but then to watch others do it in front of you must be incredibly rewarding.
1: You know, it's probably more addictive than crack. (laughs) I mean, it is, man. You know, it is. Yeah. I'm I'm in love with it. And then, you know, what's cool is, you know, a year later, you're walking through Walmart and all of a sudden, Dave Albin! Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, that's what I met with. That's a kind of enthusiasm. Now, most people never remember me. Sure. They won't even remember what I said. You know what they will remember? The process that I walked them through and how that made them feel.
0: Yes. Yes. Right? So how they made them feel is that not just the key to every marketing customer experience? Right? How you made somebody feel.
1: I can make them feel, and if you can solve a problem at the level that I can, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty popular.
0: Yeah. Hey, Dave what's the commonality between walking on glass and walking on fire
1: well you know there's such a rich history of firewalking. thousand years right if you go look at the fahitians or the people of india yes. or the polynesians Hawaiians, native american indians it's all over so there's a culture there that's a rite of passage that's what it was used for you know a graduation uh, a birth of a child uh, a woman stepping, a girl stepping into womanhood, a boy stepping into manhood. So mm-hmm. that whole dynamic. So you're out there looking down at the coals or bright red, you know, it's, and it's the element, it's fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So there's that dynamic. Glass scares the hell out of people. Most of my firewalking friends and community. Oh, they're good with doing a firewalk. They're like, oh, hell no. On the glass walk. I ain't doing that. I cut myself before. I know what that tip feels like. I ain't doing it. You know, and it's physics. At the end of the day, it's 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 just physics. It's all it is. So, um, and the other part of that is, is that we've always got it as a backup. Because sometimes firewalking isn't always logistically possible. There's a lot going on. You know, you've got venues and you've got yes. parking lots and you've got uh, fire marshals, and you know, you got all the logistics of that. Whereas, you know, when I set the world record in Paris in 2019, we glass walked 15, over 1,500 people. The only thing I had to do was show up with eight bags of glass, yes. <laughs> which I can tell you, taking it through customs uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah, where did and you get it, that glass from? Uh, we process it. We make it. Make it yourself. So we, eh? Yeah, so we take wine bottles and alcohol bottles because there's a real nice thickness to that glass. Yes. And again, you know, we have a process of uh, of preparing. And
0: but, you grind it right down, or is it still shards, or is, is there a? Certain- no, we
1: yeah we don't we, you know we get out the really nasty pieces stuff like that. But yes. make no mistake, it's glass. Yes. And when you step down on it, it starts crackling and popping yes yeah, you, you know yes it, yeah it's it's the real deal
0: yes david is has society changed no let me rephrase the question is society changing where these ideas that you're presenting to the next generation of consumers still resonate
1: 100 mm-hmm. we got shredded in march of 2020 Explain. everybody got divided right? mm-hmm. divide and conquer boys and girls there it is Mm -hmm. Um, And so we all started arguing about masks and we started arguing about vaccines and boosters. And, you know, I hate Donald Trump. I love Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I mean, shut up already. Because if that, that's going to infiltrate your company. It infiltrated every nook and cranny of this planet. Mm -hmm. So when it gets inside of a company, if you don't deal with that, if you don't fix that as a CEO, what's going to happen to your production? It's going to go up. It's going to go down. Mm-hmm. This is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that's another reason I started the academy is because I can now train people with, with not only from the legacy standpoint, but these experiences work because what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. We know that. every Any Navy SEAL knows that. Anybody that's gone through intense training knows that.
0: But we would not agree, a- though, that society has become a little softer with the way we do things. Right. So there's. Oh, uh- gosh,
1: yeah. yeah. Right. That's what's wrong because do the things in life that are hard, Keith, you know this, do the things that are hard and life will become easier. Do the things that are easy, Mm -hmm. life becomes harder. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you do things that are hard, when something hard comes along, it's not that big of a deal or it's bad, (laughs) right? So it's like, you know, there's a craze now. I've been been taking cold showers for a long time. I'm a Gary Breca fan and I like what he teaches and that's part of his training. Um, You know, so my morning is, you know, I'm 70 years old. Guess how many medications I'm on? Zero. And I don't plan on getting taken in anytime soon. But I've gotten back to basics. That's what's happened in America. There's interesting statistics out there. If you take a dog and you never take them on a walk and you get them out, you know, so they've got sunlight and they're drinking fresh water, not municipal water, real water, like out of a well or a creek, uh, get them back to that grounding, earthing, getting their paws on the planet. Um, these kinds of things, it changes your whole life and it's free, right? The other thing is, is that every, every morning for 45 minutes, when that sun comes up, that sunlight is super good for you. There's no bad rays, there's no UVA, and it, and so I go stand with my upper torso, and my face and my head and my chest, and I stand there when the sun comes up. And I do that for nine minutes. And at the same time, I'm breathing diaphragmically. So I take 30 really intense breaths. And then when I get to the 30th, then I hold my breath until I can't hold it any longer. I exhale. I do that three times. So that's 90 breaths and holding my breath three times. That's while I'm doing my sun glaze. Then when I'm done there, I go to the other side of my cabin. And I put my feet, my bare feet, on this planet, on the grass. That's so important. And I don't have time to go into it now. Google it. Research it. Earthing and grounding is extremely important for your for your mental health, for your physical health, all of it. And then when I'm done there, man, I come in, I do my meditation, I do my sound therapy, uh, and then, you know, I off to the shower I go, man. And I take a really hot shower followed by a really cold shower. The, the, the water temperature coming into my cabin right now is 56 degrees. So when you turn that on and it hits you right here in the face, it takes your breath away.
0: Yeah, it does, doesn't it?
1: It does. Absolutely it does. You've got to get your breath and that's the whole idea. Get your breathing under control. I do that for three minutes. Every morning, every shower. Dave um, yes.
0: out of respect for your time, I I, I uh it's clear that a couple storytellers here can keep this storytelling going on for hours and hours. I've I've thoroughly been Inspired by your story, I, I'm I'm thankful for you teaching us and my audience about accountability in a different way, uh, in a real honest, raw human way. Frankly, uh, through your battle with alcoholism and your journey through Robbins, your journey through firewalking. Is there anything that I have missed, or you want to make sure the audience knows about before we wrap up? And I stick you in the green room before I walk you out.
1: <laughs> um, yeah you know let me let me share something with your audience that was Please. shared with me by one of my mentors and I never forgot it and it's meant it, t- it took my whole life to to get to uh you know the path that that what I'm about to share got me on and he looked at me and he goes Here's something you need to know, Dave. He said every human has on this planet has two lies, and the second one starts the moment you realize you have only one. Make it a master, because we're in we're in control. Because I say all the time, man, the only reason you have something or don't have something is you made a story up about it. So mm-hmm. create a good story, and if you want to change your life, your story.
0: Change your story. Dave Alvin, thanks for joining me today live in the lab with Keith Billis. I'm very grateful for you joining me. I'm going st- to stick in the green room. I'm going to say goodbye to the audience and come back and walk you out. All right? You Got it. I'm here. Hang tight. Here we go what an inspiring conversation I, there's there's nothing really any other way to color it really and i was frank when i said the beginning here I, I i did some research into dave's story watched the video and was completely captivated by how he's arrived at where he is today and as we talked about in this you know in in dave's journey accountability is a big part of it and he was counted once once those lights went on he's like i gotta change my life when called up alcoholics anonymous and every single day since then he's Check the boxes, check the boxes, check the boxes. And he's been accountable to himself every single day. Powerful, powerful. Powerful. Hey, I'm Keith Bills. I sit here. You know where I sit Monday to Monday. Wait a minute. Is it Monday to Sunday plus Monday? Is it Monday to Saturday plus two? Nah, it's every freaking day. We're here every single day to hold you accountable. Our stories, our inspiring stuff, the music, the tone, the attitude, we bring it here for you guys to help you guys get to your next. Listen, you can get stuff delivered directly to your inbox. Inside.bapl.ai, inside.bapl.ai. And more importantly, here's the thing. More importantly, You want an accountability partner call me dm me on linkedin if you're stuck and you're like i i I need some help well i'm offering my assistance to you i'm and i'm I'm, you know and somebody's taking me up on that like hey you know i gotta i I, I need some help i want to be accountable to a goal because we know this if we state our goals publicly we achieve them but if you're too shy to state them publicly on the show come tell me and i'll help you if you really want to go there let's come state them publicly and let's help you be accountable to your goals publicly you will achieve them. Hey, I'm Keith. I'm live in the lab Monday to Monday here on X, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And I will see you guys. I'll see you tomorrow.